0: Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined today by a London Olympian. He is Commonwealth Games champion from Glasgow, and he's also a purple belt in BJJ. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh,
1: brown. Oh!
0: <laughs> early in the podcast for an error. <laughs> um, I'm delighted to have Danny Williams on the, the podcast. How are you doing, Danny? Yes,
1: all good, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. It's good to, good to speak to you. It's been a little while.
0: Yeah, you too. It's uh, great to have you on. Congratulations getting you brown. When did you get your brown belt? Oh, it must be four or five months ago now. Oh seriously? Ah oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's uh yeah, like purple belt is a notable achievement but brown belt that's that's some going. Good job. Yes. Um in case anyone doesn't know who you are, and I think there's going to be a lot of people listening who do, you've got quite an active online presence, could you just give an introduction to yourself, how you got started in judo, and then some of your career highlights?
1: Yeah, so my name is Danny Williams, as you probably guessed, from James's introduction. Uh, I've been involved with judo, I started judo when I was four, uh, so I've been involved in judo for just coming up 27 years. I have been a British senior squad member for the last 11 years, spent the majority of that at uh, British senior number one, um, ten, 10 major international medals, uh, yeah, represented Great Britain at all the major events. Um, very fortunate to be supported really well at Camberley Judo Club for the last 11 years as well. And kind of, as James and I were speaking before the uh, podcast, just in a bit of a weird spot, probably in the twilight uh, twilight period of my fighting career um, but i'm also doing a, a lot of coaching with the kids and the recreational seniors at camberley so i will still be heavily involved in judo if i do not compete again um and yeah and we'll kind of see where this uh, where this road over the next few months takes us
0: fantastic so what are some of the like highlights the standout moments of your career if you will
1: the Olympic Games would be the maybe well, that's the one you, you start. I don't know about you, James, but my fir- I first watched the '96 Atlanta, Atlanta Olympics. Um, and, you know, my mum was always a bit of a believer. You know, she turned around to me and said, "You know, you could go to the Olympics someday if you want." And kind of the, the seed was sown then when I was seven years old. So when I was 20, but- twenty-three when I competed in London. I think one or two years younger than you. Um, <laughs> And yeah, to me that you know walking out into that stadium for the opening ceremony and you know getting all your gear, every 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 part of it was just monumental.
0: Ah, totally. Like it was an incredible experience personally. Um, but it's a similar road. Like I didn't watch the judo in '96, but it was watching Michael Johnson in the uh, win the uh, 400 that. Made me go, oh, this is what the Olympics is about. Uh-huh. Um, and you're very kind to say there's just one or two years between us. I think it's more like, uh, <laughs> six or seven. But, um, cool. Oh. So, um, talk a little bit about how, uh, I mentioned it, how vocal you've been as an athlete, and that's where some people know you from. Um, you have or have a blog that you are periodically very active on. I don't know how regularly you're blogging at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know th- over the years you've quite opened yourself up. You've been very honest on there. Um, how did you start building that kind of online presence? What made you think about yeah, getting yourself out there online?
1: We spoke briefly again uh, before we started recording about uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, uh, you know, if you look at it, now, if you kind of look at the following on some of the social medias and things that the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu players have, it's incredible in comparison to some of the personalities and and the uh, the high achievers that we have in judo. It's like they they you know they're 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 celebi- real celebrities. You know, celebrity that's a kind of word that's um, definitely diluted with this generation, isn't it? The, the, the word celebrity, but you really have like active and not not even Brazilian Jiu Jitsu players that, that go into MMA, just, just Brazilian Jiu Jitsu players of themselves. They're, they're well known. They're like you know, you go to some countries, Brazil, America and things, it's like they're you know, they're recognized walking down the street and things like that. So I kinda just modelled a little bit with with what those guys were doing. Um I've always been interested in, in, in literature and, and, and writing myself so, you know, I've always kept a diary and things like that. So it kind of made sense. I did the uh, European Judo Union uh, level four award, and we were kind of four, My blog kind of started on the uh, on the back of that because we were asked for one of the modules to to set up a blog and things. And I really really enjoyed doing it. Um, you know i find writing so useful for my clarity of vision and that's kind of the stuff that i do on the mat and and just in my personal day-to-day life as well so just 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 kept that going really it was for it was for my own benefit
0: really um yeah so just just kind of went on from there and you've you've kind of talked quite openly on there as well about All kinds of subjects, whether it's your your weight cutting, um, things you learn from your coaching, and and also, I guess, perhaps more controversially, centralisation. Have you had any bite back as an athlete for some of the things you've said? Uh, I had a little
1: bit of bite back after a certain post I did just after the Rio Olympics, which I understand, you know... uh,
0: Are we talking the centralisation? Yeah, of
1: centralisation, yeah, because... I don't have a problem at all with centralization as a as a system. I think there's not one system that works. For me this is this is a this this is the thing that I love. It's a personal thing as well and you know this we don't have enough people well versed in in high level judo in this country to for us to really ignore everyone if we want to get the best Mm-hmm. for the judoing community in, in, in Great Britain. I, 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 I'm... Uh, you know, I will always stand by that. I actually went back and read that blog post not so long ago, and I was angry at the time. I was a different person four years ago when I wrote that. But everything was true. I, everything was true, and yeah, I I would... If if someone was to pull me up on that now, I would stand by every single word word that I wrote in, in that post.
0: Okay. I think what I like about your blog, and again, you've touched on it in terms of BJJ, and it's similar reasons to why I started uh, the podcast, is that there isn't enough media out there for judo. You know, there's so much about MMA. There's so much about BJJ. And I think there's nothing for judo. And it's great to hear kind of like other voices other than the echo that you get from the the bja or the stuff that gets put out from the igf there isn't really a fat lot from other voices and there's so much space for that and i think a lot of your stuff again is i've said it two or three times already but you're so honest you're so open about it it's really refreshing to read and i think if you go on some like the facebook forums forums People appreciate how open and honest you are about it. Um, so, whilst you might have had some bite back from the governing body, uh, I hope that you have seen that there's a lot of support as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I never went out. If, if that is the case, I never went out with the intention of doing that. You know, I judo is in my bones, um, and I grew up in in rural Shropshire, uh, where where there was no. High-level judo, you know, pretty early on, I was having to travel to to Kidderminster and then to Wolverhampton, um, you know, which which was an hour's journey each way to 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 kind of get to to some competitive club, you know. Obviously, I, I spent my junior career with uh, I was I was very fortunate to to spend my junior career with Bill Kelly at Wolverhampton, um, but I appreciated being at a decent club because for such a long time I was just at a recreational club, and. You know, for me, I, when I think back about those times, and there's so much I can link back to that now, the things I'm writing or trying to do with the kids in Camberley and things, and, uh, you know, I wasn't... Oh, everyone should be included <laughs> within, a, within a system. I feel like there's been a lot of backs been turned on, um, regards the centers like Camberley like Bath like like Scotland um, i, I 'm trying to hard to vocalize what i 'm actually trying to get across i 'm just very very passionate about it and um, and I think that comes out when I, when i write when I write those
0: blogs um, oh, no, it 's it's true like you're you 're a voice for a lot of people who um found themselves in a situation straight after Rio where they were being told they needed to do a certain thing that would completely disrupt their lifestyle, their training, their you know, all these kind of things. Um
1: from a well, selfish
0: what, perspective. Oh sorry, carry on. Uh
1: yeah, sorry mate. No, what I was gonna say with that for me it was um <sighs> People that become in charge, you know, it, I'm not I, I won't uh, name this person who's a friend of mine. When He was a, a senior in his twilight years when I was very young on the senior team said to me that like it, it was kind of when one of the, the group of people that were in charge at one point got, got outed and then someone else came in and things like that. And I was like, "Wow, well, it's a big thing. And he said, look, mate, if you're going to stay in this game for the long run, be ready for the faces at the top to just constantly change. But what? What I think, and you know, is probably something else that I wanted to talk to is kind of you know aftercare for athletes, which I think actually think the BJA get a lot of harsh criticism <laughs> for that. It's kind of we all have to take responsibility for our own well-being, um, but it seems like it was just one group would come in, cut, and it was like right now you've got to do everything we said. And I'll just use myself, for example, but there were a lot of people in the same boat when when the new national centre was up. You know, I was being asked to relocate for, you know, and I wasn't a world medalist, so I understand the money's not going to be fantastic. But I was being asked to relocate again. You know, I'd already packed my bags under under one kind of, uh, let's call them a sporting establishment, for example, that promoted full-time training that, that wanted all that you know i left shropshire i left my family i left my job i left the the college course that i was on left you know um moved to the other end of the country and then kind of just got settled was making friends down there kind of had a bit of a support network around me and then i was asked to axe that and do it again and you know it wasn't just me there was many many people in the same boat and i thought that you know i really thought that was wrong
0: is that the transition from Dartford to Warsaw, that kind of period? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think. From I, a... didn't,
1: I don't have. A, like I said, I don't have a problem with the setup of the National Centre. But I think there has to kind of be some. Not a grey area, but like a filter in period for, for athletes that have already made those. They've made those sacrifices.
0: Yeah, definitely. From a selfish point of view, I was well kind of retired never like to say that word by the time uh uh rio had finished and they were saying that now this is the cutoff point um i am quite interested to see the outcome of what this program can achieve um but again from when i was in the same boat and they were asking everybody to move down to dartford I knew the attitude that I took to that and I, I also know that I didn't move down to Dartford because it's, it's asking you to uproot, you know, everything that you've basically put in place because you think is going to help you achieve the goals that you want to achieve.
1: It, and, and that's it. And I I, I asked myself some, uh, you know, some some hard questions with stuff like that. But it's like, if it was... <laughs> For somewhere that calls itself a, a, a world-class performance center, you know, I looked at it and it's like my coach is better than anyone there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My training partners at the time, because you know, in all fairness, they, there's some there's some good players in that national center. There's some good players now, but at the time, my the the, the bodies that I had at Camberley were were far superior to anyone that. that that had said that they were going to be moving to the to the national centre or anything like that. My strength and conditioning coach, I think, is is you know Ben Rosenblatt's one of the highest regarded strength and conditioning coaches in the country. It's like you know no box was was kind of you know for me to go to the centre. Not one box was ticked.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Not wanting to I, th- I feel we could spend a long time on centralization, and I kind of want to talk more about what you 're doing at the moment now, I know you 've blogged very recently, but I am more interested in the stuff you 're posting on Twitter at the moment, the kettle classes, which um, I think are you know a fantastic little addition to that kind of like online knowledge uh that kind of online judo knowledge that a lot of people might take for granted i think it's self assumed and certainly personally watching it i have learned a lot of some of the things i do already because they're just things that i've picked up but I haven't been able to vocalize them and i think going back to my own coaching i'm definitely going to think more about them and introduce them as ideas um If people haven't checked out your kettle classes, go and find you on Twitter. I don't know if you've posted them elsewhere, but I do think they're great. First thing I want to know though is how many times do you have to boil a kettle to get a take? Because I know it would take me two or three goes to get it down. And that water's boiling quicker and quicker every single time, isn't it?
1: Mate, the first, the first couple, like 10 takes. Yeah. But to be fair, I kind of, kind of, kind of, um, kind of, Got sussed what I was doing, and I, I virtually get them all in one take now. So,
0: is that refilling the kettle every time for the first uh, few? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, getting shouted
1: shouted at by the missus for wasting water.
0: So. Um, why? why of,
1: that... all, all, all of that came off the back of so what we were talking about before. You know, when I said um i had been thinking a lot about kind of my my early days in judo and things like that. It's you know, I missed a lot of that. The club that I started at was very much like we did bits of Kata and things like that. Um, you know, the basic fundamentals of fighting judo. Yeah. You know, just weren't there. And I I, I do read a lot and um, I read, like some business coaches and, and people like that. And I'm, I'm fond of like one guy, Greg McEwen and uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, and, you know, it comes back to that thing. You know, now I'm coaching co- coaching the kids. It's I do love that thing. You know, if you can't explain it to a kid, you don't understand it. Yeah. You know, and then when it's like all those things I take for granted, you know, like oh just 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 pop the grip off here. It's like, well, how do you pop the grip off? Just step here. How do you step? You know, something. It's so so basic, but it's massive. It's the it's the roots of everything we do
0: totally my own experience of coaching like adults but beginner adults at university is it's exactly the same i've got so much more insight into my judo because you then go oh actually i have to explain why this works as a principle as opposed to going just do this yeah and yeah completely completely
1: yeah i mean ben rosenblatt used to say to me um you know, when I kind of, I went from trying to lift 200 kilos on every exercise to actually being out trying to learn how to do lifts correctly. So, so weightlifting effectively, you know, and he used to say about owning every inch of the lift. It's kind of, that's, that's what I want to do with my coaching now. It's like, I want to own everything, everything that I show. If I'm questioned on it, I want to, I want to be able to understand that, you know, I don't, want there to be to be holes in my in my game
0: i think that's a great attitude to have and really insightful as well so and and i kind of expresses like similar viewpoint we had uh, vince Skillcorn, another one of your camberley yeah. crew um camberley coaches on recently and again he's very insightful as a coach is there something about like what camberley's got at the mo- moment that is kind of creating that as new next generation of coaches
1: um it's a campbell is a center it's a club but it's also because of the full-time center it you know it's no different to what you guys were doing up in scotland yeah you know and, and, and what people like george and billy have always done it's people will flock there when there's quality and and you know something else kind of linked to the to the other stuff we were talking about about like national setups and things Mm -hmm. like that it's you also have people that care about you you know i feel safe in camberley as well um and you become a family don't you i mean you think of your training you know the training group you uh you know when you in your full-time days and things you um you know they, they they become your family as well so it's kind of we've all grown together and we all learn together as well. And obviously, you know, Mark Mark set it up, who's you know one of the the best coaches that, that Great Britain's ever seen. Um, and now Luke, who who you know is is, is right up there and uh, you know is a world class coach. And you know, so we're all getting good instruction, and we just you know we had we learn we, we learn what we're taught, and then we add our own little bit, and then we pass that on. And you, you know, like Luke says. You know, he always says to me, you know, you, you teach someone all that you can know and then they add their own bit on and, you know, that, that that will just keep growing and growing and growing as it gets passed down.
0: So who do you work with? What age group do you work with when you're there?
1: So I, I work with the um, – between five uh, five years old and, and 12 years old and then I run a, a recreational senior session because obviously the kind of the – the Tuesday and Thursday night and Wednesday morning randori's. Um, you know, if you're if you're not a judo person, randori is uh, effectively sparring. You know, there's a lot of international fighters on there where you might not feel like. You know, if you if, you, if you're a novice senior and you want to go in there to yeah. just learn a bit of judo and things, so we run a Wednesday night session. Um, you know, where we have novices and
0: we and we have some fourth and fifth hands on there as well. So oh fantastic so how do you find that adult session working does it does it run do you get like adult novices coming along again talking going back to bjj one of the things they do really well is attract young males i guess that kind of young adult um potentially through the link to mma and ufc but it's they're very busy and they're very good at self-promotion how do you find that as a recreational coach in a judo club
1: yeah um all it's been good to be fair. I mean, Vince Skillcorn was actually running that session before I was, so so the numbers were always good. Um, you know, we have a lot of people coming that, that cross train through BJJ We're linked to, to Colson Gracie Farnborough I mean, they, they were actually Colson Gracie, uh, Gracie Camberley for a time because they they actually set up in the in the judo club. Now they've got their own um, permanent place, and they're they're a great club. So we have a lot of, I have a lot of people coming across from there. Um, people that just walk in off the street. Obviously, we try and promote the club as much as we can within the local area. Um, So it's a wide mix. And obviously, people that are just interested in doing judo or or some form of martial art.
0: Fantastic. So, kind of talking of that BJJ influence, um, do you get a lot of guys come over to judo? Yeah,
1: I would say, I mean, of the current group, probably a quarter.
0: Do you see many of the judo guys who are either recreational or part, maybe more relevant part of that full-time setup? Do they go the other way? You yourself, obviously, have done.
1: Uh, What go go into to BJJ into BJJ cross training? Yeah, for the kind of the anyone that's for international level judo, um, I, I think BJJ becomes very much of something that they do post judo. Mm-hmm. you know they kind of let the, the the judo runs its course and then they go they go from there i have noticed quite an influx of people that are like might have been national level standard that will then switch and then and then they are quite successful within the brazilian jiu-jitsu field um, but i don't know i don't really know anyone that's kind of been a high level judo player that's kind of midway through their career gone actually no i'm going to go and do bjj instead mma yes I mean, someone yeah. like Mason Jones is doing, doing incredibly well. Um,
0: you know, is, it, so, is it something you think that judo players need now as part of their arsenal on the international circuit?
1: You know what's still scored more than anything else is the, is the rolling strangle. You know, you, st- you still see it, those old techniques, those old safe effective mm-hmm. techniques will still work. Yeah, I probably think just a bit of understanding where I think BJJ for judo. Now, there's loads of people who sell the judo for BJJ. But I actually think learning the what BJJ is really good is kind of like all the fundamental movement stuff like the hip escapes, the back shrimps, the heel drags, the kind of deep half guard is a great position, I think, for judo. You know, if someone's trapping your, you know, if, if someone's trapping your leg, how to free it Correctly yeah. from certain different positions Or if you're underneath Fighting your way into that deep half guard So that you're in a really safe position To wait for Mate, wait for the referee to stop it And stand up But I still see a lot of unnecessary risk Like yeah. if you're if you're On your front Just stay tight Stay tight for 10 seconds and, um, and defend defend, and wait for the referee to stand you up Why risk turning to guard And getting held down um, yeah. I kind of think with both of them, if you're cross training for predominantly one for the other, like now I practice Brazilian jiu jitsu because I love Brazilian jiu jitsu, you know, and I love judo. But there was definitely a time for a long time where I was going and doing Brazilian jiu jitsu classes to directly benefit my judo, which it was going to anyway. But yes. I was I was being brutal. I was like, that won't work for judo. I'll leave it alone. Um And, you know, I kind of think pretty much everything that they teach up to Blue Belt is really effective. How to how to defend your hooks, how to escape your hooks. Yeah. But anything, up, anything kind of after Blue Belt, really, is it worth the time? Unless unless you're just like me now and and like you, you just enjoy doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Probably not.
0: What I like about it. And uh, I mean, it's the obvious thing is that it's a great way to increase like your relevant training load with less impact on your body in many ways like that the, the culture of kind of brazilian jiu-jitsu of the,
1: the whole rolling culture where you can yeah. practice a bit safer you know yeah. that's probably kind of what the traditional randori was meant to be it wasn't always just going and having a good good punch up and getting a sweat on and yeah um you know they, they they tend to practice a lot more um which is good I, I and I, I i find not all but some people within the judo community can be quite ignorant of actually judo could learn quite a bit from brazilian jiu-jitsu oh definitely
0: um there's there's so there is what you say is true there's so much that's transferable from one to the other in both directions um I think you need that filter to understand what is relevant and what isn't relevant, but also it needs to be switched on to go to, to being aware that probably for most people, a lot more of the principles are appropriate across both sports. Like it doesn't change. The rules change slightly, but the the principles, some of the things you've talked about, yeah, already you know they are the same in both sports. Certainly at the lower levels in B- BJJ, I guess. Yeah. Def- defend- defending from half guard, like, I mean, I'm terrible. I go every now and then because I, I, I really enjoy it. I learn something every single time, but I don't go consistently enough to, to get any better. Still rely on the uh, exploding out of positions and uh, yeah, the headlock and, and the arm <laughs> wrench. Yeah. I still, <laughs> still have
1: to put, I still have to pull that one out, out the bag every now and again.
0: Um, what do you think the influence is though is there, can be, people learn from BJJ wider than just the on the mat stuff again we've talked a little bit about the way they're going for the marketing style, they're very professional um, in the way they run their clubs, it doesn't tend to be volunteers just doing a Tuesday night, you know BJJ tends to be a professional coach they charge a little bit more and they run a club five nights, five days a week, seven days a week. I mean,
1: we've got we've got to a point of our society, haven't we? Where kind of if you're maybe not in the in the in the current period of uh, you know with kind of COVID nineteen happening and all that, but you know up until that, you know if you got to a high level of an Olympic sport. You know, it's become a trade. You, you look at the amount of judo in schools businesses there are now. You now, why can't you follow kind of a, a Gracie Jiu Jitsu model of an academy? Because because people are making good livings out of that stuff. And it's. I don't. I even, you know, what? it's kind of probably old programming that I feel a bit conflicted saying that, you know, because I I earn a, a small living out of, out of judo coaching. However, I still t- I, I take my hat off to those coaches that are turning up and you know charging people two quid to cover the the, the lighting and heating, you know, they're, and they're not credited enough. They're really yeah. not. Um, I think that's some that is something that the the national governing body could could do better. Is do something to make all those coaches feel included and practice, you know. Reg- <laughs> We've both been involved with high performance judo for a long time, but let's face it, judo, judo saves people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, mental health is talked about so much now. I know plenty of people, probably myself included. I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't doing judo.
0: I, th- I think I'm really conflicted by the whole volunteer thing. Um and it, it becomes more of a, it becomes more of a political thing because I think the more people who volunteer and just do things at cost, the government are more likely to go, oh, it's not needed that we put funding in for this or it's not needed that we train these people to do you know, marketing and how to develop business skills because they'll do it anyway for free. And I I think it also erodes as well the efforts of people like yourselves who are trying to do it as a business, as a living. But at the same time, these guys are, it's where I started. Uh, a bloke giving up his time because he loved judo and he instilled in me a love of judo. Um, I just don't know where I sit on that kind of spectrum. And some days I'm like, it's, it's the way it should be. People giving their time, building communities. And then the day later I'll be like, oh, they should be getting rewarded. And even if they don't want to be rewarded for it, they should be, in order to be valued and to have value, for everybody within the wider judo community, they should be asking people to pay more. And, yeah, I go back and forth.
1: Yeah, I, I think, really, you just need... Both Both needs to be done. You can make a living out of judo. And I know plenty of people that make a living out of judo that are amazing. They're amazing with the people that they work with. You know, my my, my coach, Luke, for example, you know, he took me from being, you know, and. An, an angry teenager to being, you know, an angry (laughs) 30-year-old. But, (laughs) you know, they they become your family. Yeah. You know, I don't want to make this a whole personal thing, but I didn't know my father growing up. It's like the men that I was around at the judo club every night, you know, they became my my male role models. It was like there's so much more to it than just, you know, tying up a belt and trying to win a few
0: medals. I don't want to um you know I like yeah. that
1: bit I like that bit of it too but there there is a lot more
0: to it as <laughs> well totally um I don't want to kind of cut you off there but I want to I I'm aware of how long we've been recording and I do want to move on to talk a little bit about the Olympics and the situation at the moment and how that's um affecting the athletes you have athletes in your club who are hoping to qualify for the games or in line to qualify for the games and I imagine you're, as well, still in touch with a lot of other guys who are on that same journey. How is everybody coping at the moment? What are people doing? Do they know what the route is? Do they know what the path is?
1: Pretty. I I actually think most of them are are pretty well. I think what's – for the people that I'm close to, I don't have a – from, from a high performance uh, perspective, I don't have a wide circle of people that I, I keep in contact. I only really keep in contact with the people that are in Camberley. Now, for someone like Ashley Mackenzie, it's kind of, it was always going to be business as, as normal. He's virtually qualified. What we were kind of worrying a little bit was with people like Nathan Burns and Fraser Chamberlain, who were kind of just on that cusp of, of, mm-hmm. of qualifying, um, was we were worried that if the Olympics still went ahead, when they cancelled the rest of the qualification events, that the IJF were just going to straight line it and say, whoever is in those positions now will go and things, which is, you know, it, it's a, that's not a slate at the IJF. It's a, it's a really tricky situation for mm-hmm. everyone, them included. But now you would hope that those athletes that are probably just outside of qualification are still going to get enough time in which for it to be to be sorted out. You know, for those that need the points, they've got a fair opportunity to go and get the points. Um, yeah, and those that are, those that are in, in, in the spots but close to dropping out, they've got the chance to defend their position as well.
0: So. Totally. Do you think we are going to see... Um at the top end different athletes winning those medals at the games is a year going to be too much for some people are they going to be past their peak um i'm thinking in terms of maybe athletes who are towards the end of their career um might yeah. be long for a medal now but maybe Poss- not another possibly,
1: year p- possibly i mean i think uh i mean when you had you and burton on um I listened to his and, you know, he was very critical, you know, about the London games. And he felt, was it, was he was saying like the Tokyo Worlds, which was in 2010 was like his best year. And then it was heated off from there a little bit. Um, I think those older athletes that might have an effect on, you know, Mm -hmm. people like, I'm going to pull his name off the top of my head because I, I, I used to fight him. Uh, Dirk Van Tickel, who's, you know, an older 73-er. Yeah. People like that, maybe. But you just don't really know. That's the thing with the Olympics as well. Four years is a long time. Yeah. In between. You have people, don't you, that come, they'll come just after an Olympics, do really well for a couple of years, and then by the time, by the, time the Games has come round, they've dropped off. So...
0: Yeah, it's such a long period. The the one thing I am interested in though is the before all this kicked off, the Japanese team made their selections. Okay, there were a few that I was surprised at. Um, they went with experience over. I'm thinking sixty kilos. They went with like Takato instead of uh, Nagiyama, so they went with experience rather than the younger athlete. Do you think they stick with the same teams, or do you think they have to reselect?
1: Um, personally, I, I believe that they will they will stick mm-hmm. um, from their cultural perspective of how they are. Uh, and I kind of think that's a fair way to go about it. That's a fair on a kind of a, on a moral on, a, on, on, you know, to put that. On a um, you know on a kind of a moral scales I would say you know that's that is the fair thing to do
0: no I, I totally agree I think I, I just think there's a a couple of weights where you go Ooh, with an extra year that might might change um, there's obviously sixty kilos I think um hundred kilos in the men as well you've got wolf who's not old but he's a little bit older than they've got the young lad leader or Ida who's coming through and i think it's a similar situation in some of the other categories um that just makes you go i expect them to stick with the team i wonder if they will regret that as a nation in terms of the amount of medals they want to go away with um from this anyway
1: well it I imagine they'll have one or two meetings about that. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure they will get it sorted. But you know, just kind of while we were talking about that, I thought that was Coach Ayanui when he announced it, and you know, he was he was, he was struggling to get the words out for his tears. I thought that I thought that was incredible.
0: It was oh, to show that level of emotion, and and clearly, there's such such important decisions for every single athlete there, and. I mean, I can totally understand how he felt that emotion, why he felt that emotion, but to show that level of emotion, I think, impressive in a way. Like it makes you go, "Yeah, he's a he's a real guy. He's not afraid to be open like he was, that."
1: He's, he's passionate about oh, judo. Yeah. He's passionate about his players, and he's think you know. And yes, it it, it did make me think. You know, we have so many passionate coaches in this country mm-hmm. as well, and. You know, I don't want it to seem like I'm attacking the centre, especially the, the players at the centre. You know, I've, I've got nothing against anyone that, that, that trains there and competes there. It's, uh, you know, choosing to do judo as a full-time thing is not not easy. I, I, you know, I take my hat off to anyone that makes that decision. Um, but there's been a number of coaches that have come on and used the national positions as a stepping stone to something else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, where you have quality coaches in other parts of the country World class coaches that have made it clear that they're 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 in judo they and they're they're going to be coaching in Britain for the long haul yet constantly overlooked and you know I, I you know yeah. I, I I don't agree with that at all you know, I'm, I'm I'm very much someone the system is constantly it seems like we go round and round it's like we have to invest in the young players that so we need grassroots things it's like No, that's wrong. You have to start, for me, you have to start from the top. The amount of people that are allowed to walk out of the sport, and when I say allowed, it's like, as a sport, you know, we're a relatively small sport in the country, but we do have quite a big funding pot, and there are are positions available. You know, Winston Gordon, allowed to walk away from the country, you know, has probably had... A million pound invested in him in all the trips that he's been on over his very long career, all the national funding that he had. Craig Fallon, James Miller, Tom mm-hmm. Reid allowed to walk away, you know, have, after being, you know, full to, a full time athlete for so, so long.
0: I I mean, you could you could let the list go on. Like you know, there's so many that you could I, talk about. I,
1: I have to find the kind of, like, the it's like, look, none of us are curing cancer. You know, it, it, it's sport at the end of the day. It, on the grand scheme of human importance, it's not very important. But while there are paid positions, or there are those positions there, we might as well, like, if, if we really want to be serious about being the best that we can be, we need the best people in those roles.
0: Just out of interest, how did you come about doing your level four, the EJU level four? Was that something you pursued? Oh. Well,
1: I think I would have gone. I would have gone full time at a younger age. So I I joined Camberley when I was nineteen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, when my junior career had just finished. So the the juniors was a year younger at the time. It was under yeah. twenty as opposed to under twenty one now. Uh, but I was quite unsuccessful as a as a cadet and a, a, as a junior. You know, I pretty much got through all of that just kind of on, on work ethic really. Um, yeah. Just kept going, kept going, and, and broke through on my last junior year met Luke Preston my coach who was coaching with the with the with the national junior team at that time um and, th- and that's how I ended up uh, going moving down to Camberley uh, I forgot the question now at the end of the I was gonna later. say
0: how um, did how did you end up doing you? because you're talking right at the start about doing uh, the your level four coaching how did yeah. you get to that stage is that something you've pursued yourself or is that something you've been pushed towards
1: J- judo is all I've ever really wanted to do um and I think Luke recognized that and I was, uh, I just finished my apprenticeship in Plastering when I moved to, um, moved to, moved to Camberley. And you know, I'd have gone full if I was of the level, I'd have probably gone full time earlier, but I wasn't. Um, but by the time I came around to 19, I was. And I said to Luke, like, I've given up my job here and things like that. And Luke was like, well, you're clearly passionate about the sport. Luke had just finished the course. And he basically said, look, I can, I can speak to a few people and try and get you on it if, you know, if you want to set some stuff up for after you finish competing and and that and that's how I ended up um, going over to Anglia Ruskin University. It was at the time. So I was doing. Yeah, I was doing a, a couple of weeks there a year. And then and then from uh, most of it was online with my tutor,
0: Bob Chalice. Awesome. Right. Danny, I'm going to start drawing it to a close. <laughs> um Couple of things, last things I want to ask you about. What is, uh, if you had to look back over your career so far, if it carries on, if it doesn't, if you had to look back over your career, what is one fight that you've been in that best represents you as an athlete?
1: Hmm. I had a few, but there's probably a couple I don't want to mention. (laughs) Uh, For me, probably probably the, the final of the Commonwealth Games. Um... You know, I was called up late. Uh, had, I had to lose a lot of weight. Um, you know, I, I felt like I, I made the mistake of throwing my opponent for Wasari in the first exchange, and then just <laughs> just came came under a, a, a barrage. You know, I was spinning off every spinning off attacks every other exchange, and you know, for me it was always. Um, you know, I, I can look at myself in the mirror and say I worked as hard as I could, you know, and I had to work very, very hard to keep that score that day. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with that one.
0: Awesome. How was that, uh, Saturday chase, Something I've not asked you about. It's a very significant milestone, I think, winning the Commonwealth Games in front of a relatively home crowd. Um, how was that for you?
1: Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was brilliant. You know, I was more happy for my family. You know, my whole family were there. Um, you know, they came came to see London, which, you know, for me I, I, I lost to, you know, one of the seasoned vets of the weight category, um, early on. Which was which was fair enough, but for them to see that, you know, it was just so special to have them there, you know, have my yeah. friends there. You know, some of my friends that have never seen Judo before but known known me for twenty years, that have done it, they came to see you know, this thing that I was always disappearing off to every evening or when I was running home from school, why I was doing that. So, you know, that that, 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 was, that was so special. And, you know, to be fair to Glasgow, they put it on so, so well. Um, I remember coming off one of my fights, actually, and seeing you were just behind because you just had knee surgery, had you not? Yeah, I had, yeah. Yeah, you had the best seat in the house. You like
0: <laughs> I know it was, it was a great seat. It was. Um, yeah, they did look after us that day. It was good. Anyway, um what who is your favourite athlete to watch at the moment?
1: Hmm, I would still say it'd be Georgi Santaraya.
0: Amazing. Yes. Superb, very exciting fighter. And if we are talking about at the moment on the Twitter for the, the podcast, I am running a best of the decades through each one of the categories by the time this comes out we will be nearing the end but i'm going to run um an overall uh athlete of the decade for 2010 to right up to start 2020 who has been your athlete of the last the whole decade who's a stand out for you
1: mm, um i am going to say I'm trying to work out how old I am now because it's like oh yeah, yeah that <laughs> player and then I'm thinking actually they won the Worlds in 2007 <laughs> yeah I think it is extremely extremely hard to um, you know I still, it still has to be on the tip of my tongue because he would have been a potential opponent but uh, Shohei Ono wow
0: yes definitely um... you know it,
1: in you know, and I'm not being biased that it was the weight category that I fight, but those middleweight men's categories, you know, they're so so competitive, so compet. I mean, people talk of of Rene, but you know, there's a massive body weight difference. Yeah. To to be that dominant and to go into tournaments and look like you're not even breaking a sweat, I mean, that's just insane.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I, ono is an exceptional athlete, and I think at the moment he's got to be the favorite to come away with a second olympic title at like 73s. Yeah. Um could you see him going another olympic cycle? He's still relatively young, but obviously this is this is Tokyo. Would you think he could get a third olympic title be up there with the likes of Namura and potentially Teddy?
1: Well, it's funny you say that. Namura, I believe he's from the same uni, isn't he? And they they they're ah, both okay. they're both in Tenry and they tend to keep training very hard. Um and they tend to stay active there, so that w- it would not surprise me.
0: Amazing, right, um, Danny? Are you promoting anything at the moment? Are you doing masterclasses? Have you got anything going on that you want to plug?
1: Well, mate, I'm currently sat on the sofa trying not to eat myself into oblivion.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> when it when all this stuff is over. Yeah. Uh, I will be. If, if I could just promote um, my, my social media account, so pretty yeah. much Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's nice and simple. It's D Williams Judo, And then my website, Danny Williams GBR. GBR is in the Olympic code for Great Britain, so DannyWilliamsGBR.com.
0: Amazing. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate that. You take care. All the nice,
1: best. Mate. Cheers. Take it easy.